podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. The boys are back. The boys are back. And it is our Friday show of Blitz Month week number three. Boys and girls, I mean, if you're listening to this, you already know that the offseason's over. K-State soccer played a game on Thursday. I'm recording that before uh, or recording this before that. I have no idea if we beat Northwestern or not, but the offseason's over. We got another volleyball game on Sunday. Volleyball has an exhibition today on Friday, uh, but we're not going to talk about that. If you want a preview of those teams plus football, go back to Tuesday and listen to my show with Brian Smoller. But I have a very special guest. He is part of the Young Buck Mafia of one of the greatest kind of you know wave of young kids getting into the journalism game covering k-state sports he's one of my favorite guys to listen to and he's the only hashtag baseball guy i don't completely ignore and have on mute on twitter it is the man it is the myth it is the legend mason i'm calling him the bulldog voth or voth i don't i've always i've said it both ways is it voth or voth i've I've literally said it both both it's both yeah v is in victor oth so yeah, both. so everybody well, gets. I'm, it down. I'm, I'm sorry because I'm pretty sure I've used it both ways multiple times. Mason coming in live from the Wichita studios of his basement, actually. Uh, but yeah. hey, uh, and we both have dog co- co-hosts with us today. Uh, that's what I like to see. Mason, how are you doing? Are you ready for football season? Um, just kind of walk me through, you know, your mood as we're what. Uh, eight days away from uh, week zero. Everyone gets yeah. to see Nebraska hopefully lose to Northwestern and Ireland. How pumped are you for that? Yeah, I mean, it's it's nice to be able to have a group of Purple Wildcats to root for in week zero. So I'm, I'm excited for that. I was uh, talking to, to Phil Stevenson today, who, who hosts a show in Wichita after me. And he asked, you know, outside of K-State, who are you most like excited to get to to like watch or follow along with. And I said, honestly, it is Nebraska because this is just going to be a fascinating year to watch what Trev Alberts does up there because he might have to fire the Jesus of Nebraska football, Scott Frost. And it may get to the point where he has to kick Fred Hoiberg to the curb, who was another just dynamite hire for Nebraska that hasn't worked out. So it's going to be really fun to watch him. And I'm also like everybody else ready to keep score on, was Adrian Martinez really the problem in Nebraska or did everybody else around him suck? Because it is a little suspicious when like the offensive line was terrible. You fire the offensive coordinator. Uh, that's why I have a tough time believing that it was all on Adrian Martinez. So I'm, I'm excited for that, but for, you know, the K-State season getting ready to go. Um, this is probably the most excited I've been in a long time, probably since 2017. I was, uh, I was pumped for 2017 and then that got off to a not so fun start. <laughs> at Vandy I think I walked out of uh and I don't know why I did it I'm trying to think who it was that they played early on there in 2016 that was my freshman year at K-State and they played just like a really really good game and I thought to myself I didn't say this year they could win the Big 12 I thought next year they could play in the Big 12 championship like feels like they could be good there was some momentum there and then it all kind of hit the fan and those last two years were really turbulent with with Bill but I'm excited for this year they, they they've got the starting 11 on each side of the ball that goes out there, I feel pretty solid about maybe minus the safeties, but they can compete with anybody in the league. It's just a matter of, as always with K-State, are you going to have the depth to, to sustain some injuries? So I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, that that 2016 season, what a what a season that was. You, you open up at number eight Stanford, you lose by 13. That, that was a rough game. But then you dog walk Florida Atlanta, you dog walk Missouri State. You have the one point loss at West Virginia, which I still hold up as one of the like worst games I've ever been to 
in my life. You then turn around when that, you know, great game versus Texas Tech and Patrick Mahomes, where I think Duke Shelley had a pick six. It was DJ Reed. DJ Reed had the, had the pick six. Um, then again, you lose 17-38 at Oklahoma, but then that's the last victory that you had versus Texas. Uh, a fun victory versus Iowa State, which I was there. Very close game. I think we actually blew a fourth quarter lead versus Oklahoma State, number 22, Oklahoma State. And then you dog walk Baylor, you beat down KU, you have a dominant win versus TCU, and then that game versus Texas A&M. I'm right there with you. That 2017 season, I thought we were going to be contenders, but then you lose to Vanderbilt. (laughs) Jesse Ertz starts getting banged up. Um it sucks, but you still got the the bowl win versus UCLA. You got that monumental Skylar Thompson to Isaiah Zuber win over Iowa State. That was still a pretty fun year, but I'm right there with you. Uh, we, we got as high ranked as 18 before that Vanderbilt game. I mean, that's a good oh, shout. That's and, a good shout. And Mike McCoy looked like the next big thing against Charlotte when he ran that dude over. So that was, uh, that was fun. Uh, shout out Mike McCoy. On this on this day, since you know this will be Friday, August nineteenth, uh, I need to give a shout out because you mentioned the Missouri State game uh, in twenty sixteen. If you recall, that game was called at halftime because of bad weather that moved in, and so they only played a half. Uh, today is the six year anniversary of me meeting my wife at K State. The day I moved in, uh, she got our relationship off to a great start during that Missouri State game when I said. I'm going to hang out and wait to see if they play the second half. And she took off early and made me walk back to the, to Goodnow hall in the pouring rain and thunderstorm by myself. So she ditched me there. Uh, after I put in all that time and effort to really try and butter myself up to her, she just left me stranded there. So I remember that they called that at halftime. And, and I also remember going back to my house or my apartment in Topeka at that time. And one of the best, uh, you know, it was a good beat for me, a bad beat for some other folks. Stanford covered the spread. I can't remember. And I'll go to their schedule because I have it pulled up. Um, who was it? It was at UCLA and they ended up winning by nine points. They were up, I think, uh, I guess they were only up three. And I think they were favored by six and a half points. And they had a strip sack scoop and score on the final play of the game to beat the spread. And I went nuts. I went nuts. Of course, that was on an offshore app. Uh, also, as we're recording this today, the news of the go live date, hopefully being 9-1 uh, with a soft launch and 9-8 officially. It sounds like Attorney General Derek Schmidt has found some stuff in uh you know the lottery's handy work uh that they have to fix before then but yeah man what a great time maybe we should start like just a random podcast where we say a random date during football season and then we just see what robert holes we go down well that's what that's what sports fans love is just somebody names something random and then you answer back with like yeah you know the, the, this is what i loved about that game or this date or you know there was this game uh I, and I, I'm a big fan of like the mundane. I think it comes from being a Royals fan and watching so many bad teams for so many years. Like those guys in 2014 and 15 were awesome and that was fun. But I'm a Mike Sweeney guy or David DeJesus and Mark Tehan and, and Reggie Sanders and Mark Grudzelanik, like all that. I, that's what I like. So uh, I, I like talking about, you know, eight and four seasons or seven and five seasons and, and seeing what little intricacies those games had. I was a Mike Sweeney fan as well, but I, I prefer the Royals winning personally. Like, well, can, that is a little like bit more those. fun. <laughs> All right. Well, before we get into it, boys and girls, boneheads, bonehounds, and bone cats, an- another one that was thrown out there recently. Today's the day, Friday, August 19th. Charlie Hustle has dropped their campus ca- capsule. Go check out their website, go check them out on social media. It is big time they have dropped a bunch of new stuff including what i think is my favorite favorite case eight t-shirt of all time the lavender glory in the combat shirt i'm currently wearing one i'm currently wearing a black long may the colors fly with a sailor willie shirt part of their new drop most comfortable t-shirt i own folks go check it out also 
go to the Bosco's Boys Twitter account. If you're listening to this super early in the morning, maybe it hasn't dropped yet. So maybe I kind of ruined something. Uh, but I promise that lavender t-shirt, my favorite K-State t-shirt of all time. I have it in my closet. I'm going to be wearing it on Friday. Go to my, go to the Bosco's Boys Twitter account. You're going to see a tweet at some point during the day saying, retweet this and make sure you're following Bosco's Boys and Charlie Hustle for a chance to win a free t-shirt. I'm going to hook up two folks with free t-shirts. And if you're also following them on Instagram and send a screen grab in a reply to that tweet, you're going to get a bonus entry. Also, later on this football season, probably during the Missouri week, I have two more shirts that I'm going to give away, so stay tuned. Charlie Hustle is dropping the most comfortable and best-looking K-State t-shirts of all time. So let's eat them up, eat them up, and show Charlie Hustle what that purple pride is all about. I'm all about it. Mason, I I think there's going to be a couple in in there. You're like, wow, this is my new favorite shirt. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure there will be. Um, I love to spend money. So being in radio, you don't get a lot of money. So uh, I, you know, I manage it very well. Like today, 70 cents off each gallon of gas, boom, book it. Now I freed myself up to, you know, maybe buy some golf balls and buy some new, new t-shirts. So that's kind of the, the route that I'll have to go with that. I love it. I love it. Also, we might have to bring back book it or cook it sometime or who says no, get, get some of play the hits sometime. The next time Mason comes on, that's what we're going to do. Uh, before we get into K-State football, like we've talked about, you're a big baseball guy. Um, some news, and, and of course, you know, right before football season and no news is good news when it comes to fall camp, this sure uh, set K-State Twitter and message boards ablaze. Pete Hughes getting an extension. Since you are a baseball guy, walk me through your initial thoughts of that decision by Gene Taylor to extend his first hire, Pete Hughes. Uh, first of all, I love the way K-State fans handle baseball because they don't care about it at all, except for the fact when they look up in mid-March and they're like, oh, look at them. They're losing all this stuff, blah, blah, blah. They don't care any other time than that. Um, Hand up, that is 100% me. That is 100% me. And that's fine. That's fine. Like, that's kind of how college sports work. Unless you're, like, one of these big-time baseball schools because nothing else is good. Like, why Texas Tech get good at baseball before anything else? You're just like, well – we can support it and everything. And that's why they went all in on it. That's why they got this base. So I'm not faulting anyone for being that way. Um, but I do like, I just kind of laugh at, at some of the way, the ways people treat it. I will say this, though, I was a little shocked to see, you know, that this would come out and everything. Um, but to Pete Hughes' credit, like he has brought in more talent in recent years than what uh, K-State has typically had. But he does need to start getting that to translate into wins now. Um, I, everybody, I mean, a handful of people, obviously still on the message boards, crush me, uh, and John Kurtz and some others for defending, uh, a bunt that took place, you know, in his like first season at K-State as the baseball coach. And now I guess we're just in this group that loves small ball. I I defended it like one time and I was just like, Hey, you know, it's not the worst thing in the world. Some of the stuff he does, does agitate me. And I scratch my head a little bit. Um, but it's, it's baseball at K-State. It was good for like four seasons. That was really fun, but it's never been anything special. And he's the lone dude that I think has a passion to really try and make it special again. And he's bringing in talent that could do that. So uh, we'll see how it goes. I'm not too enraged one way or the other. I was just a little surprised when uh, that news came across. You shouldn't be uh, because, you know, that's, that's what K-State fans do. We, we are, I, I, I don't know if we're going to win that Fox college football uh, fan vote thingy, uh, but K-State fans per capita, I think are the most online fan base in the world. And we love to get mad and we love to vote in Twitter polls. Uh, so it is what it is, but I, I was a little outraged, but also, I mean, to your point, we're putting guys in the MLB draft uh, at a rate that we haven't seen uh, getting some pretty high profile high school kids, uh, and by all intents and purposes, everyone I've talked to who have had who's had a relationship with Pete Hughes says he's the nicest guy in the world. So at the end of the day, um, hopefully he figures it out because I, I would like K State. I went to a lot of K State baseball games because I was there in school during those uh, glory years. Would love them to get good again. Uh, so hopefully he can do it. Yeah, no, I, I hope he can. I would love for K State baseball to be good at it. Um, I just kind of in general hate the product of college baseball right now, though. 
uh, because it's, I mean, it's terrible. Like major league baseball is in a bad spot where guys don't throw strikes. Now take it to a level where guys throw even less strikes because they're not as talented. Um, so college baseball in general is tough for me to get into. Like I, I love watching them and how they played in the big 12 tournament. I, I went down to Arlington in February to watch it play down there. They did lay three eggs and the pitching was terrible. Um, so I hope they can figure that out. And maybe the approach is to start getting guys to throw strikes instead of throwing hard. But that's just my opinion as a non pitching coach or baseball coach, but it is what it is. All right. Uh, let's get into K-State football talk. So we've, we, we talked about how online K-State fans are and how there are narratives that I think happen almost every single season. What do you think if you're putting on your uh, look to the future cap, what do you think the ongoing narrative or storyline that is going to dominate K-State fans and their talking points throughout the season? Hmm. Um, well, I think because of the lofty expectations that have been set for him, uh, I think one of the things that we're going to get a lot of this year is fans feeling like Felix Anyadike Uzama is underperforming. And after like every game, even if they win by 21 or something, asking, oh, where was Felix at? What did Felix do? You know, because he's kind of set this label for himself with the numbers last year and the the love that he's getting, not just regionally, but nationally. Um, that NFL mock gonna, drafts having him yeah, in the first round. There's going to be a ton expected of him. And it's so tough with defensive guys. And there have been a handful over, you know, the last however many years that have had some really big, you know, second or third years. And then it doesn't really pan out the way that was anticipated. Um, I, I just throw that one out there because the other ones that are going to come up, um, I'm not so certain, like, we'll even have to worry about them. I mean, depth would become a big, a big deal. Um, but like Adrian Martinez at quarterback, that would be one. But I'm of the opinion that a lot of the problems he had at Nebraska are going to be fixed by playing at K-State where he's got more talent and he's got an offensive line that's actually going to hold their block for more than half a second. So I, I think that a lot of the things that could be out there will be fixed. Um, it certainly helps that Courtney Messingham isn't here. So Colin Klein's going to get a couple of games where I don't think the monkey will be on his back too much. Um, I think maybe, the very first three and out, there's going to be people saying he, he isn't ready. I think the well, they're going to, they're going to lose the toss to South Dakota. South Dakota is going to kick off to K state and they're going to go out there and deuce is going to run for two yards. And then Adrian's going to step back and he'll probably throw one like over their heads and into the K state bench. And then third down, they'll probably do something really conservative at their own 22 and hand it off then to Deuce, and he'll get like one yard, and then boom, there's the punt, and somebody will fire up a thread on the message boards, probably you that will say no, like I'll fire be calling a, or something. No, or, I, I try to stay off Twitter and message boards as much as I can during the game, and I'll be there. I, I, I'm going to be at all home games. Uh, there will be tweets, and there will be message board posts. Game one, questioning if Colin Klein's ready. I guarantee it. The most oh, yeah. hated person, coach in like – maybe all levels of football, the most hated coach is the offensive coordinator. There's like three teams from high school all the way up to the NFL that actually like their offensive coordinator. Yeah. Well, I mean, think about the Cowboys last year, the first like 10 weeks of the season, everybody loved Kellen Moore. And over the last half of the season, people, including myself were like, this guy kind of sucks. Like <laughs> he's not great here. So Colin will definitely get that. Um, I do think there, I mean, Everybody loves to hate on coaches. Uh, Joe Klanderman is probably going to be under the microscope, especially since uh, on the back end, the defense seems like they're going to be a little bit thinner and, and a lot of unknowns there. So that's going to be something that kind of continues to progress because there was some of that over the last two years after Scotty Hazleton left. Everybody loved him because he's like crazy stereotypical defensive coordinator. Uh, they played well, but also he's got the big beard and the big personality and everything. And so Klanderman had questions pop up. That will happen at times, I think, and something that they'll have to be equipped for. And again, those guys on the defensive line, pretty much all of them, there's big expectations for what they do this year. And so if they're not performing, then that's just another thing that can go back on Klanderman. So I, I think that the two prevailing things are probably going to um, end up being just that, like focusing a lot on what's going to happen defensively. And then uh, Felix Anya DK Uzama and how that whole saga plays out. I hope that he gets it figured out and things go well, 
But we also know that last year, although he was good, a lot of the numbers came against teams that finished in the bottom three or four of the Big 12. And it's super easy. If you want to take a defensive end out of the game, you can. You can double mm-hmm. team, chip with a you know running back tight end. Like, you can. So I, I, I'm i right there with you. I, I think that's a great shout-out. Um, speaking of Felix Inudike Uzama, uh, I said at the top, camp has been relatively quiet, which I think is what you want. I don't think you want a noisy fall camp. But some of the news from open practices, the two open practices – Felix and Will Honus, the transfer linebacker from Nebraska, maybe a Wichita native. I know he's a Kansas native. I don't know if he's from Wichita or not. Um, Both have been limited to non-contact drills during practice and during some of the open periods. They were working on agility and uh, strength drills. I know Felix was actually doing drills for or right in front of the uh, Tennessee Titans NFL scout. So I'm personally not too worried about that. Uh, you know, I think it's load management type stuff. Khalid Duke not practicing at all. What is your level of concern for all three of those defenders? All three of them in a perfect world would be starters or I don't know if Khalid, I don't know if he has a starting spot in this new alignment, but he would be, you know, a 20 to 25, 30 snap a game guy. So what's your level of concern with all that? I would say I'm least concerned about Felix right now because I mean, he's, the the biggest of those guys so I think physically like he'll be able to overcome some things even if there are problems and like you said I I would tend to believe like they're going to be extra cautious about a guy that they think is the key factor on their defense uh I would be next concerned about Will Honus and kind of what could come out of that just because there's some history there and and it kind of hampered what what his play was like at Nebraska uh and then the Khalid Duke thing does genuinely concern me a little bit because, I mean, he was out for basically all of last year, and now you get to this point, and he's still not doing a ton. It, it does worry me that things aren't going the way they would like um, and makes me think that it's going to be pretty limited if we see Khalid Duke this year. And it may be kind of along the lines of, like, Justin Hughes, where he was good there for a stretch, but then that last season, like, he was a shell of himself. Injuries had caught up. Everything got there. And so we may still see Khalid Duke from time to time, but I'm scared that he won't ever be able to reach his full potential. So that's the one that genuinely concerns me is that he's not ready yet, but maybe they're, they're being honest and they're just going to be extra cautious and, and wait it out until, uh, you know, the season kicks off and, and really getting thrown out there to be careful. But that's the one that probably concerns me the most. Yeah, I'll be 100% honest with you. And he is listed as a junior. Um, I think that is counting forward his COVID season as well. So he might have two, three years left on him if he wants to. My guess, my gut tells me we see very little Khalid Duke this year, if maybe at all. I mean, I, I don't want to say he won't, he's not going to play at all, but uh, that, that's why I've said on multiple occasions, Chris Kleiman had no reason to tell the truth when he was adamant about Khalid Duke being ready for week one. I didn't believe it then. I don't believe it now. I hope it's the case, but uh, I just, I, I think we've seen the best of Khalid Duke. I don't see, I don't think we'll see it again. Yeah. And, and that's, unfor- it's, it's really unfortunate because I mean, they could really have, I mean, he a was the guy coming into- Oh yeah. yeah. He was the guy last year and it was last year we were going into it and it was, I remember at big 12 media days, Wyatt came over and sat down next to me and, uh, he just said, he's like, who, he's like, who do you think like needs to show up on the defensive side? Like for like, if he does, they'll have a good year and it'll be a good thing. And I mean, it was Felix at the time. Cause it was like, he's kind of the, the unknown, the wild card, the underdog. And everybody was pumped about Khalid Duke. And then the roles kind of get reversed. So I, that thing does concern me a little bit, but obviously um, I, as a lot of K-State fans are, I'm pretty optimistic and excited to see, what a lot of the other guys on the defensive line are going to look like this year. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, all right, let's get into the predictions. This is prediction time. You have uh, the honors, not the right word, the advantage. Cause you know, some of these guys have had to go on the record as early as, you know, July 31st, very early on here we are only about what would we say two weeks and three days away from actual game day. So I'm expecting you to be 
on lock, on key, and pristine with these predictions. Before we do, again, Charlie Hustle just dropped their campus capsule today. Go find the Bosco's Voice tweet, retweet it. Make sure you're following us and Charlie Hustle. Make sure you're following them on Instagram. And I'm going to have a drawing for two winners to get some free shirts from Charlie Hustle. And then again, later on, I'm thinking maybe uh, the Missouri week. I don't know. Maybe week one. I don't know. At some point, I'm going to also give away two shirts here in the future. So make sure you're following them. And again, I'm wearing the most comfortable shirt in the world. Their Lavender Lorian to Combat Sailor Willie shirt. The best K-State t-shirt I've ever owned. It's awesome. It's going to be my shirt when I, because I'm sometimes a polo guy. I'm sometimes a long sleeve tee guy when it's cold. I'm a crew neck. But if I'm rocking a t shirt into Bill Snyder Family Stadium this year, it's going to be that one. All right, Mason, let's get into it. Who is going to be the offensive MVP? Um, well, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious who that's going to be. So I'll, I'll go, I'll go Deuce Vaughn on that one. Um, that one I feel pretty safe about unless he gets hurt or something. But, I'll get one on the board pretty quickly there. He's just, I mean, it's, it is insane the talent that he has um, and the way he's able to use it. And I think just the, the kind of guy he is too, it's a really, really cool thing uh, that he's been able to develop and he seems to embrace, you know, being at K state, which is something that in the world of the transfer portal and everything else right now, um, not to, not to be, you know, Jeff Ketchup or whatever his name is, uh, like he could have gone somewhere else and he could have been interested in that, but I think he genuinely enjoys K-State and understands the benefit of what they can do for him. So uh, he's unique from what he does on and off the field. And I think he'll have a, another great season because like last year, the world knew about him and he still had a great year. And I think this year he's going to have a better offensive coordinator or at least somebody that's going to be a little bit more exotic. And I think it sucks that we didn't get to see like, if he was there with like peak Skyler health, that would have been kind of fun to see what they could have done last year. But you could just tell like Skyler can't run or move like he once could. Um, so I think seeing what he looks like with the athleticism of Adrian Martinez is going to be a really fun wrinkle this year. Uh, Cause who better to find a way to get the quarterback to run a little bit than Colin Klein. So I'm excited to see what, uh, what those guys do in the backfield. For sure. I, I would have loved to see Deuce Vaughn like with 2019 Skyler, you know, that first year of climbing before mm-hmm. he got banged up. I mean, hell, look, look what Skyler's doing down there in Miami. I mean, maybe we'll have to talk about that in the future. I mean, I already NFL have team. been. I was on Dolphins message boards uh, Saturday night. Oh, stuff shit. Up. What are they saying? Uh, well, they weren't happy that I was on there. Uh, I said <laughs> I my uh, my username on there uh was sphincter 19 uh but phin was the only thing that was capitalized i just went on i was basically like i started a thread titled skylar thompson is the all caps present you know not the future he's the present um and i talked about how like it would be disgraceful to don shula skylar wasn't the starting quarterback over uh tiny lakes Tua and teddy and all this other stuff and some people thought it was hilarious others were like one guy was like, this is an obvious troll. But then he came back and like was really offended by the whole thing too. And he was like, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, well, kind of did my job here. But I haven't been on FinZone for a week now. So I'll probably check in if Skyler has a great game this weekend. And uh, I'll come back and be like, hey, just back to let you know, Skylar Thompson is the present. So I've been, I've been active uh, in the Dolphin community. Well, I, I love it. I I, I think uh, if there was a team that was going to try to carry three quarterbacks uh, on their 53, man, it might have to be the Dolphins. Um, but hey, we'll talk about that at a later date. Maybe that'll be a bye week conversation, you know, hashtag start Skyler, because at that point we know two is going to be trash. All right. Um, you mentioned it. Adrian Martinez is going to be back there. We've had some folks pick Adrian Martinez as the MVP as well, but who is going to be that third horseman? Because I think we all know if this is going to be a season worth playing, Deuce and Adrian are going to be one and two. Who might be number three? That's tough because there's a lot of um, like average guys out there that could go and, and do something. And like Malik, Malik Knowles has the talent, but is he going to stay healthy? Because, you know, he actually – I think people would maybe be surprised to see how many games he played in last year. I think he played in all the games last year. I don't think he missed one. But it did seem like every other week there was, 
oh, well, Malik is dealing with this or that, and it restricted him. Um, and so I didn't really think he has to have this year is if he can just kind of avoid those minor injuries that stack up. And then he also needs to play consistent where he'll make that incredible catch at random times in the game, but he'll also have some really head scratching drops at various points. Um, so I would probably go with him at number three, just because I think he's got the most talent out of a lot of the guys that are left. And in addition to that, like, I, I think that they'll probably still try and find ways to use him in the return game, which he can be very electric in doing so. So I'm, I'm, I'm all in on uh, Malik Knowles as, as the number three guy. And that's mainly just crossing your fingers that he stays healthy the entire season. Yeah. He, he played in all, all games, but you're right there. I think probably four or five of those listening to power cat game day, trying to figure out, okay, is he going to play or is he not? Um, let's flip to the other side of the ball. This has been a fun one. Who's going to be the defensive MVP? Um, I, see, this is where after we just talked, like you would think it was Felix, but I think it's going to be really tough for him to kind of live up to, to the hype and everything else that's going on uh, this year, just because there's going to be so many expectations kind of heaped on him from people in, in the national media, whatever else is going on. So I think the expectation might be that he's going to have to, to give way to somebody else and you got to go and, and pick somebody. Um, so if I wouldn't pick him, I like I'll, I'll buy into the hype and the buzz that, that people are giving to Nate Matlack and what he's doing. Um, because I think there will be a lot of focus early on the athleticism's there. I think he's going to look good in what he does out there. So I, I would probably go with him just to be different and, and think that he's going to have some stuff set up for him. But Eli Huggins is a guy that I know will be very hungry in what he does this year. Um, and K-State has, has been pretty impressive uh, with the guys that they've had up the middle defensively over the last, you know, five, six years at, at doing a good job. And I think the fact that he decided to come back also says something about him. He's one of those guys that could have said, all right, I'm done with college football and everything, but makes the choice to come back. And I think that's probably something that's going to drive him a little bit more because you don't just come back, I think, to have another seven win season. You come back for something different, something extra. Uh, and I think he's going to be a guy that will have seen a lot of things in his, in his time at K-State. And he'll probably be a, a dude with a lot of fire that can help him out. You, you know, Eli Huggins was the guy for a while that backed up the starter. And then he took that starting role and Timmy Horn was around last year as well. It will be interesting to see who comes into that number two role behind him. Because again, I love Eli Huggins, uh, but there's no way, I mean, no defensive lineman is going to play all those snaps. So it will be interesting to see if it's hence, if it's Uso, uh, you know, uh, Tuiasa Sopo, um, the Manhattan kid. I'm forgetting his. Oh, Damien Ilaleo. Yes. And yeah, he, so let me tell you, he, I mean, he is a stud from calling Manhattan games, you know, three years ago or whatever. I, he's, that's a dude that will scrap. And I mean, every, everybody, I think at this point knows his background as, as a state champion wrestler and all that, but like he would maul dudes when he was playing fullback and it seemed like he was in every single play defensively. So I have no doubt that he – I don't know if it's this year, if he'll be ready for that. I would love if he was. Um, but for sure by next year, he is going to be a dude that is big time on the K-State defense. So who would be your dark horse for that defensive MVP? Um, and I don't, I don't know how much of a dark horse this is, but I think he disappointed a lot of people last year, and that was Julius Brents, where we know that the talent is there. And if you're pro Julius Brents – you're going to say, well, a lot of those balls that got by him were just like one in 100 type plays, and they just seem to happen to him all the time. The, the negative side would say, okay, but he still gave up, you know, big plays and significant catches at different points. But the people that are smarter about this than me think that Julius Brents is still really good, and I believe he is. So I think you obviously have an opportunity in the Big 12 that can be pass happy at times to do something special. Um, and so I'm expecting a big year out of him because last year he saw a lot of guys that were in the secondary uh, end up kind of doing big things at various points. And it felt like he was just kind of quiet. So uh, Julius Brents would probably be the, the next guy I'd throw into the rotation, especially if it's not somebody on the defensive line. 
Let's go now to your breakout player on offense. This used to be the young player breakout. Now it can be anything because transfer portal has kind of thrown that out there. It can be a young guy, it can just be a new guy, or it could just be a guy who's been hanging out and has yet to make a massive impact. So who do you have for that? Wide receivers uh, is tough because it's it's like it's pretty set with the the first two guys there. We know that Malik Knowles and Phillip Brooks are going to be probably pretty consistent. Um, outside of that, it's it's like a guessing game with them. I don't trust any of the uh, of the running backs right now, just because I think that's a, a situation behind Deuce that will have to sort itself out. Um, I you know Keenan Garver's been here a while now, and they're going to need somebody to step don't, up. Not just don't don't do. It. Everyone <laughs> picked Keenan Garver last year, and he he didn't play a meaningful snap, or at least well, he might and have thing. and so. That. I was, I'm throwing him out there to say, I don't think it's going to be him. Um, I, you would, I would like for it to be, it would seem like it should happen. Um, but it's, it's still just a little concerning that he couldn't even get out there a little bit last year. Um, so I, uh, this is, we'll, we'll see what some of the young receivers end up doing. I would like, I would like for it to be, one of like the really young guys, so like one of the red shirt freshmen to get out there and do something like RJ Garcia. If baby. we could get RJ Garcia into the fold, I think that that would be uh, a very fun thing to see because I mean, again, talent seems to be there. It's just a matter of who's going to step up and take that role. And the good news is like, there isn't a ton of pressure on those guys to step up and do anything because there are so many receivers with a ton of experience that uh, it can be one of those deals where I'm sure he'll get, plenty of action against South Dakota and then uh, probably the game against Mizzou like it'll be whoever has the hot hand and who's doing things well and we know that Malik Knowles and Philip Brooks will be out there constantly but who will be that guy that gets the third or fourth most reps and if he catches a couple balls or had some explosive plays in the first game and a half of the season um, that could kind of be his his big game where he starts to kind of take that role so Hopefully it's him because that would mean good things for the K-State offense. I agree. Defense, who's going to be the breakout player on that side of the ball? Well, I kind of gave a couple of guys uh, that are a little bit under the radar there, I guess, you know, relative to the fact that the radar is the entirety of Felix. And then you kind of go down from that. So everybody is under him. Um, I'm a little bit concerned about where things sit with, basically everything but the defensive line. And so I don't have a great answer for who I expect because I think it could be about anybody that's going to get reps defensively, you know, outside of the guys we've already discussed, um, like talking who's going to be that second guy up the middle behind Eli Huggins, who is going to be um, a part of like key rotation type guys when it comes to the linebacker spot. Um, Because, you know, Daniel Green could have some moments where he really starts to pop a little bit, but he's going to need some help there and hopefully he's going to get it at some point. So I, I think that'll be an interesting one to follow along with. And obviously that's another position where there's some, some young talent involved. Um, but I'm, I'm not totally convinced that there's anybody really there yet or that I feel comfortable banking on. Um, probably the, the dude that I'm most interested in seeing though is Sean Robinson and seeing what he is able to bring to the table defensively. I think when you know, he came, he was a guy that can do some of those hybrid things and they're going to be looking for a dude that can kind of provide the, the stubble field role um, that can do various things. And he's, and I don't know, I, you'd have to look at the numbers to, to make sure. I mean, he's obviously taller than Reggie Stubblefield, but he just seems to have a little bit of a thicker build. And I know one of the things that they're interested in is they were pretty good against the pass last year at times when Reggie was out there, but they did struggle to stop the run on occasion. And that's why they're banking on Khalid Duke to be healthy because he can play that hybrid role for him. Um, but he's another guy that would probably come into the fold and Sean Robinson that could do something. So I, I think it, you'd be in good shape if it comes out of one of those guys. Um, Cause I'm probably not giving any credit to the safeties right now. And maybe I should, but I just, I don't have a ton of faith right there. That's the, that's the part that really scares me about K-State this upcoming season, which I think is the same for everybody. All right, let's get to my favorite question. What is the pendulum game of the season? Mm, uh, I, I was I was going through the schedule. I need to I need to do better about remembering when each game is. Um, 
who is the the wacky weird one towards the middle of the year i think um i think that game against oklahoma state will be very interesting because you're going to be coming off back-to-back road games with a bye week tossed in there and you gotta you gotta beat iowa state like we, we can't have that happen where they lose to them again this year three straight losses to iowa state uh would be miserable i would i would hate myself uh and i didn't even have any dealings with them winning or losing and then the TCU game, I would imagine they win. I think TCU is probably going to finish ninth in the league this year. People are people love them from TCU, but I think Max Duggan is like low key terrible. Uh, everybody loves it. He's like he's a he's Brock Purdy with less talent, but Brock Purdy wasn't all that talented. So I don't. Hey, really Mr. Know. Irrelevant, Mr. Irrelevant. Yeah, which you know most of the time I think, oh, Mr. Irrelevant, that's kind of cool. But this time I was like, oh, not a, not a title that could have fit him better. He is irrelevant to me. Um, but I, I think that O-State game, because you come off the road, it'll have been since. So you'll go 28 days in between home games. And if you don't beat Oklahoma State, even if Texas is, like, weird, they're going to have a lot of talent and they can beat you the next week. And then you have to go on the road to Baylor. And Baylor's another one of those teams that, sure, they – they may not be as good as they were last year. They may drop off, but there are also a lot of people that think they could be good. And Dave Aranda seems to be a good coach. Um, And then a road trip to West Virginia is after that. So that Oklahoma state game becomes big because at the very least you need to have some confidence in that. So if K-State loses that game, but it's, you know, like some of the O-State games have been over the last handful of years, it's close. It's kind of a fun environment. Um, that, that game kind of gives me like night game feels like we're going to have like a six o'clock kickoff for K-State Oklahoma State. As long as they can play well in that one and a win would be huge for them, that sets the tone for a really big three game stretch with Texas at home and then two on the road at Baylor and West Virginia. So O-State's probably the right one, especially since um, if you lose one of those two road games, Iowa State or TCU, you're going to need that big time. All right, let's go on the record. Let's hear it. What's K-State's record? Um, I, well, I think they go three, and zero in the non-conference. Um, I'm ready for them to kind of pull the pants down on Elijah Drinkwitz. That's, uh, that's very exciting to me to think about. And then I'll be optimistic. I will say that they only lose three big 12 games. I'll be very kind to them. And I will uh, say that they go nine and three this year. So nine and three with some wacky stuff could get them to Arlington, but I'm going to ask you who is playing in Arlington in the big 12 championship game. Um, I'm going to say Oklahoma. Uh, I have this philosophy when it comes to the big 12 and basketball, you pick KU until like they just quit winning it in, in entirety. And then in football, it might as well do the same thing with Oklahoma. Um, although I, I've said this from the get go, I think with Venables, they either go to a level higher than what Lincoln Riley had them at, like they finally get over the hump and win a college football playoff game, or he's at like a very much decidedly worse level than Lincoln Riley, and it's like a bunch of seven-win seasons, and after three years, like, okay, we got to find some way that can actually get us to be relevant in the SEC and national college football again. So um, I think that they will be there, though. Who they play is just kind of a total mystery. because I, I don't like Oklahoma State, like, what, they're number 11 or something, and 11 or 12 in the preseason polls. Yep. I, seems high. Like, Spencer Sanders is inconsistent at times. He, he was better about it last year. But then they lost a ton of dudes from their defense that was what made their team a season ago, and they lost the defensive coordinator. They don't have that, you know, that running back like they've had in the past, um, whether that's Chuba Hubbard or guys before that have kind of been able to hold things together. So I don't think it's O State. I guess I'll I guess I'll say Baylor and be really boring about it because I I trust Dave Aranda a little bit more. Blake Shapin looked really good in Manhattan uh, a season ago, so I'll buy into to him being able to get things going because Texas is another one I can't buy into fully. And I think Quinn Ewers is like the next Tate Martell. Like Martell goes to Ohio State, supposed to have a ton of talent, can't beat out anybody for a job, so he goes to Miami. Can't win that job on like 
seven or eight win Miami teams, tries going to receiver, that flops, freaks out, and goes to UNLV. Quinn Ewers is already on his second school, and Arch Manning is waiting in the wings. And I think Quinn Ewers might get, you know, a, a little bit shaky early on, and that's going to just derail this entire thing for him. So I don't love the middle makeup there. I also don't get the fascination with why Steve Sarkeesian's a good coach. Like at Washington, Chris Peterson Im immediately came in and did way better things than what Sarkeesian did there. At USC, he obviously had other issues there. But football-wise, uh, Clay Helton did better things than what Steve Sarkeesian did at USC, and it got Helton fired. And then he goes to the Nick Saban School of Rehab, and I mean, good for him. You look great at Alabama, but who cares? Everybody looks good at Alabama. Oh, and by the way, one of those years at Alabama, uh, you didn't make the playoff. Like I, that's this is the weird thing to me. So I don't get the Sarkeesian love. Uh, he had the coach last year too that had like the the monkey incident and other stuff yeah, like the, the pole assassin. Yeah, so. Uh, I don't buy into Texas. They can have all the talent they want with Steve Sarkeesian as their coach, and I don't think that he's the answer down there. So I'll go OU Baylor, which sucks because it's like what everybody else has and, and what the Big 12 standings look like preseason. But it's what I'll do. If the Cats aren't there, it'll be OU and Baylor. I don't know how many OUs we've gotten. I, I might have to go back and tally it. So it's it's not as chalky as you think. Um, okay. Final final question. Um What's the future look like for the Big 12? 2024, that's the final year where Texas and Oklahoma are contractually obligated to be in the Big 12. It's also the first year post-grant of rights for the Pac-12. So the question I've been asking is, how many teams will be in the Big 12 in 2024? All right, so we'll be at 14 next year. And then uh, eventually this scenario, we'd be back to 12 if everything stays the way well, it is. Maybe. Or no. Technically, yeah. it would still be 14 unless the, a deal is cut to let Oklahoma and Texas go. Yeah, I am going to say um, – so 2024, what we, what we look like. So OU Texas still in the Big 12. Maybe. Or are you wanting – I'm okay. asking you, 2024, how many teams are in the Big 12? Um. I think it's either I think it's either 14 or 18. I think it's either just the way it is right now and OU and Texas truly don't leave early or because I, I, I think there's an element to where the SEC says, hey, this is going to be great. We're going to get them in here. But we do already have this money coming in. And let's have one last hurrah or two with like the real SEC, basically, is what I think they'll do. I don't think they're in any rush to add OU and Texas because they all wanted them in there and the money will be great and more power in college football, but you know, that's coming. So you might want to embrace the moment with everybody else. Cause you'll have a little bit of a, you know, a, a difference there. And so I would say it either stays at 14 with all these same teams or the PAC 12 thing does start to topple. You get the Arizona schools and then like Utah and Colorado are, uh, are in there as well. Cause those seem like the four most likely to get a life preserver it's kind of boring, but I think it would make some sense, and we'll see how it goes. And I don't know how you feel about this. Some people – now, again, we got the Pac-12 media mafia out there. They feel like it, the Pac-12 has an advantage because they're negotiating their TV deal right now. I don't know. I'd maybe, like, let college football breathe for, a, you know, a couple months or a year or something and get a better lay of the land than just deciding, oh, this is an awesome time right now because – that Pac-12 thing could be derailed very quickly with just a couple of steps. Like, plus you're giving these schools that want an out anyways, probably to look at the money and go, Oh, this is kind of disgusting. I'll go, I'll go look somewhere else. So I don't actually think it's a great thing for the Pac-12 right now to be negotiating. I think the big 12 is in the better position. I agree with you. And it will be interesting to see what happens, but that's all we have for blitz month. Uh, Mason, we're going to have you back on early in September for sure. We're going to have you on during football season. Is there anything you want to say to all the boneheads right now before you come back later on in the football season? Uh, I don't, I don't have a ton of great things to say to them right now. Just uh, keep, keep boning on or whatever it is you guys do. Uh, <laughs> hashtag fire, fire Cal Eldridge, right? Yeah, that um, do whatever you have to do to to pound Ben Newman Stone and keep it going. One guy, one guy that has me blocked on Twitter, by the way. So wow, yeah, Ben Newman has you blocked on Twitter. 
I think it has to do uh, – I either responded to a tweet of yours or Grant Flanders last year during the Oklahoma State game, and it was basically like the Cats are going to need – whoever it was said the Cats are going to need like a big comeback in the second half, and I just responded with a tweet that was sarcastic and I think was picked up as sarcastic, and I said, good news, Ben Newman is in Stillwater tonight. Um, and so I, I, that must be the thing that got it, but I noticed it one time uh, – People were like, oh, look at this tweet from Ben Newman. I was like, oh, I can't see it. I am blocked. So that was a good time. Um, but, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at the real Mason V. Uh, I've been on Twitter for, like, a long time now, probably close to a decade or so. Um, oh, and I, I made mean, that username when – Longer uh, than that for me. I was I made that username when Shaquille O'Neal was going by at the real Shaq on his. So I was like, that's just what everybody does. And um, I had an older cousin. He made fun of me for it at the time. But now it's kind of just become who I am. So at the real Mason V uh, is where you can follow me. But other than that, I don't have a ton else to share. So, Well, there you go. We'll be hearing from Mason, I'm sure, throughout football season. That's all we have, Boneheads. That's another week down in Blitz Month. Monday, you are going to hear me give my predictions. Again, uh, folks, I will go on the record with all my predictions for the year. We're hopefully lining up a fun guest or two during next week. Um, might be hearing Mr. Grant Flanders coming on the record, talk a little hoops, talk a little football. And again, Wednesday, 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 tell all your friends. We're going to be going live on Spotify Live at 7 p.m. And we will go as late as we need to. So every single bonehead who wants their record or th- their predictions on the record they can do so so we will talk to all the boneheads on wednesday we're going to come back with again five shows a week from now until the end of football season we love you guys and yeah just stay tuned it's time to get set for the cat attack you can feel the excitement you can feel it coming on for kansas state Feelings growing strong. You can join in the action. This is where you wanna be with Kansas State. Come on, set your spirit free. Kansas State, our pride is with the cats. Kansas State, come on, join the cat attack. Kansas State, excitement's in the air. Kansas State, the fun is being. Podcast Network.